Okay, picture this. Jesus has just been crucified three days ago. And all of his followers are in disarray, uncertain of what's going to happen, what's going to become of their movement. There's a a sense of defeat amongst them. And then on the morning of the third day after his crucifixion, some women show up at the tomb and find that the tomb is empty. In that tomb, there's these two messengers that tell them, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Jesus is alive. And with this information, they they rush back to tell the disciples of this information that they have of what they've seen and what they've heard. And they get back to the disciples and then they, they kind of receive the message and they kind of don't. And then it's on that same day that as all of this is happening, two other followers of Jesus who are part of that movement that was following him, they, they head out of town and they go to this place called Emmaus. And as they're walking this trip seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus on that same day that these women found out the tomb was empty, they're having a conversation about all that's transpired in the last week, right? All that's happened from the moment Jesus showed up to the moment that everything shifted and he was handed over to be crucified. And then they're trying to make sense of all of that with this story that this tomb is now empty. And so they're talking intently. And as they're talking, Jesus joins their little party. But God doesn't allow these two followers of Jesus to recognize Jesus. And so he asks them, what are you guys talking about? Like, well, what's, what's this intense conversation that you're having? And they stop. They're walking in with saddened faces and, and contrite hearts, like unsure of what's going on. They're like, well, haven't you heard? Haven't you heard of everything that's happened? Jesus of Nazareth. Right, This prophet, this Messiah, he was supposed to be the one who would rescue Israel. And he was crucified and killed. We don't know what to make of that. But then these women came to us this morning and told us the tomb was empty. And we don't know what to do with that either. And as they're going on telling Jesus about himself, Jesus says to them, like, you foolish people, right? Like, he's a little, like, Man, all this time we've been working together and you still don't get it. And he, and he tells them about himself. And he starts with the Hebrew scriptures and he takes it all the way from the beginning to, to the end. And it is pointing to him. He says, no, 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 I had to suffer. Actually, he says he had to suffer because he's telling them about Jesus, but he hasn't yet revealed that he's Jesus. He says, no, the Messiah had to suffer. He had to go through this. And it's all pointing to this moment. And so they walk and they keep walking and then they get to the end of their walk. Essentially, they've shown up to Emmaus and Jesus, who's walking with them, he keeps going. And they're like, wait, Jesus, that we don't know who you are. Come eat with us. Let's have a meal together. And so they invite him in and they have this meal and they sit down at the meal. And it just so happens that Jesus is the one who's going to break the bread. And he blesses the bread. He breaks it and he gives it to him. And the moment that he hands them the bread, they recognize that it's him. And in that exact same moment, he then disappears. And they're frozen. And they look at each other. And they're like, weren't our hearts burning within our chests as we walked and learned from this man. It was Jesus. And even though it's dark, even though it's late, they're like, we gotta get back to Jerusalem and let everybody know that we just saw the resurrected Jesus. And they fly back to Jerusalem. 
I don't know about all of you, but sometimes I feel like I'm on my way to Emmaus, so to speak. I'm headed somewhere away from the action, away from my place of hope, away from my expectations and my desired outcome. I'm on the road out of town, so to speak, and I feel confused, and I feel frustrated, and I feel defeated, and as I'm walking away from that place, I'm wondering, will God show up? Will God show up? And we are often like these two followers of Jesus. We find ourselves disbelieving his promises in our greatest moments of unbelief. We find ourselves scattering, so to speak, And just as these followers are mourning the death of Jesus, we too mourn the death in every sense of the word, of our dreams and our relationships, our hopes and our futures. We all reach that point at some time in our lives. And often in the midst of these deaths as they're happening, we find ourselves walking away from a God we trusted when all was as it should be. And as we're walking away, Our hearts, like something in our soul is crying out, will God show up? We want to know that God will come through. We want to know that he's that kind of God, that he would show up. But just as it often is with the things of God, he reveals himself in these unexpected ways, right? Like new dreams become dreams, new relationships are born, new life is conceived. And as followers of Jesus, then we we must never forget what Jesus is actually about, that he is always with us. And so I think the question really becomes, it shifts from this, will God show up? And instead the question is, will we recognize him? Will we recognize him because he's already there? Right, so often we are prone to miss Jesus when he's right in our midst, when he's right with us. Before we travel down this road farther, let's pray that we might recognize him today. Jesus, we thank you that you are one who meets us where we're at. Thank you that you would would come to us no matter where we've been or what we've done and you would love us directly in that moment. I pray that you would open up our eyes to recognize you, open up our hearts to recognize you this morning. And generally, even in our lives, God, help us set aside the things that might be distracting us, that might be keeping us from encountering you, God. Would we believe that this morning you have something specific to speak into each one of our hearts and that we would hear it and that we would recognize that that's you? And God, as we recognize you this morning, would it all just be for your glory? Would you give me your words to say, would I not get in the way of what you want to do? Would we not get in the way of what you want to do, but would we recognize you in our midst this morning. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So the story of the two followers of Jesus who are walking to Emmaus, it's found in Luke 24, starting in verse 13. So you could turn there now in your Bible if you want, or tap there now in your digital version, or pull out your notes page, or it'll be on the screen. Lots of options for you to follow along if you'd like this morning. And as you're doing that, though, let me, let me set the stage. We got a little bit of a glimpse when we started, but, but let me set it up again, right? Jesus has been crucified. He is dead And then they buried him in the tomb, right? And so then three days later, after Jesus' crucifixion, a few women, 
right? And, and, and not just like flippantly a few women, but like some of the most committed followers of Jesus, like those women, they show up at the tomb. And when they get there, they find that the tomb's empty. They discover it's empty and they, they walk inside and there's these two angels, these messengers who say to them, Jesus is alive. Stop looking for the living among the dead. He's alive. And so they take this message, this report, back to the disciples, back to the 11 and then all of the other followers around that. And it's almost like these women's words are, are, are treated as most women's words were at that time, and they're essentially disregarded. They're like, okay, thank you for that message. But the disciples, they hadn't bothered to go to the tomb themselves. They left that to these women. They spent their time in Jerusalem hiding, right, hoping that they wouldn't get caught by the police. You see, at that moment, following Jesus' crucifixion, crucifixion, not just one disciple betrayed Jesus, not just two, but like all of them did. The disciples of Jesus, all of them were in that moment on the verge of disbanding completely. The movement was on the verge of falling apart because it didn't end like they thought it was supposed to end. And so it's here that we pick up our story in Luke 24, verse 13 of these two who are walking away. Here we are, verse 13. That same day, right, the same day that the women went to the tomb and found it empty, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short. Sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus said, which I love that, by the way. What things, Jesus asks, because even Jesus doesn't brag about his own resurrection, right? Even Jesus isn't gonna let you in on everything he knows about the story and perhaps we can learn from the humility that Jesus shows here that we don't always have to be the one to tell our story. Other people could tell our story too. And so in response to that question that Jesus asks them, what things happened? Here's what they say. The things that happened to Jesus, the man of Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at the tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. This is the end of their summary of the things that have happened. Or like, notice that even with this amazing story, they even say it's an amazing story, this amazing story on their lips, that they are still saddened and they're walking away from that place. They're still leaving that behind. And so this coming response then from Jesus doesn't really surprise us. Verse 25, then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, 
right? And I don't think Jesus is saying that with like this tone of condemnation, right? But like the head slapping tone, like, ah, you foolish people, we just did this for three years and you're, and you're gone now? It's been three days and I told you it was gonna happen anyway, right? It's like that kind of, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Right, like even Jesus, Jesus himself, he proclaims that all of scripture is pointing to him, is pointing to this moment, is pointing to the death and resurrection. He says, no, 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 all along this is what we were looking to and it frames how we view the entire Bible. Verse 28, by this time, They were nearing Emmaus at the end of their journey. Apparently it takes Jesus seven miles to recap the scriptures. Okay, so you can base your own recaps on how far you walk. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. Or like, don't keep walking on in the dark, come be with us. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Apparently, it was common or, or one of the customs of that time for the guest, which is Jesus in this case, to be the one who breaks the bread. Right, that, that's how it would happen. So I suppose it's fitting that in this interaction, Jesus, without them even knowing it's Jesus, has suddenly taken over their table and he's the one who distributes that which is blessed and that which is broken and that which is then given. Right? And so here Jesus is. He took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Their eyes were opened when, right, when what? Right, when, when he reaches for the bread and he gives it to them, right? He blesses it, he breaks it, and he gives it to them. Like what, what's, what's happening here? If you've ever given bread to someone, right, like we don't do that a whole lot anymore, like have a loaf at home, and then our friends come over, and we're like, you want to break and pass that out, right? But, but we can imagine what it's like. You break it, and you give it to someone, right? Like, like how do you give bread to someone? This is the big reveal, by the way. Like, you do this, right? Watch my sleeve, right? Your sleeve rolls up, doesn't it? Right, like your sleeve. And when, when my sleeve goes up, what do you see? You see my hand, you see my arm. And I'm just saying that perhaps, perhaps the moment that Jesus hands them the bread, they see the hands of the resurrected Jesus, they see his wounds. What if that's what happened? Like if you want to see Jesus, then we look for the wounds. We look for the wounds. See the wounds? See Jesus. The wounds of Jesus, they're they're not scars, right? They they weren't scarred over. They were wounds. They were open. You know what's awesome about an open wound? Awesome is probably not the word people would use. You know what's true about an open wound? You can touch it. You can put your finger in it, right? But you're you're getting the imagery, aren't you? Right, it's vivid, it's real. It was an open wound. 
He didn't have scars, he had open wounds. So if you doubted, you could put your finger in it. If you weren't sure if it was him, you could find out for sure that it was him. But the wounds of Jesus, they're open and they're like continually open and, and oozing, if you will, until all are welcomed in. Well, like that's why his wounds are open. He wants us all to see, to recognize, and then to remember that it is only by his wounds that we are healed. It is only by those wounds. I'd also speculate, I'm doing a lot of speculating just so we're clear, but I would also speculate that that exchange that these two followers of Jesus had evoked these memories of Jesus feeding the 5,000, right, with the fish and the loaves, right, they would start to think about that, or maybe in one of the other times in which they, they were all together and Jesus broke bread and distributed it, they realized that's Jesus's thing, that's his thing where he blesses, breaks, and gives, right? The bread, like Jesus, is blessed, broken, and given. It's the exact picture of who Jesus is. And this is what recognizing Jesus, right, in our present confusion, our present struggle, our present heartache, our present disbelief forces us to do. It forces us to look back and remember his past faithfulness. Remember the times that he was present. He was with us then, so surely he is with us now. By his wounds, we are healed. Let us recognize, right? Let's recognize. And now, see, here's what happens next. Finishing that verse. And at that moment, he disappeared. Hands him the bread. They recognize him, and he disappears. So my guess is they sit there for a moment before this next exchange happens, like in a moment of disbelief that is like the ultimate belief, right? It's like this backwards type of, of living, this backwards kind of realization, right? They're stunned, I'm sure, as they're sitting there looking at each other, and then they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Didn't something inside of us tell us that this wasn't just a normal companion on the road? That there was something different about this man? Something burned within them. And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, The Lord is really risen. He appeared to Peter. They're like, we know. We just saw him. Or they all come back together and everything's changed. You see, as Len Sweet puts it, you and I, we're on the road back to Jerusalem from Emmaus. We're on the road then from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. Right? You're on the road of this resurrection faith where being faithful means trusting and obeying without being told things. Right, that we don't know sometimes. And then being road ready, right, to, to, to go and travel those roads means that even if you're living in transition, even if you're moving in the shadows of understanding, right, like even if you're walking in dark valleys of despair and uncertainty, Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. It means that time spent on the road with Jesus is not so much about like actualizing ourselves but it's more about the releasing and unleashing of his resurrection energies into our lives that this is the resurrected savior who drives us. This is resurrected faith. 
And it's still, even as I just like grab that story, it still shakes my soul even. That though these are the two followers that are walking away. They're walking away from Jesus initially, right? They're walking away from everything they thought it was supposed to be. And as they're walking away, even then Jesus finds them. And these two who are scattering, right, they're the first to break bread with the resurrected Jesus. Jesus always wants to find you and he always wants to share a meal because a meal is about relationship. So Jesus then is with the doubter. Jesus is with the distraught. Jesus is with the dejected. Right? Like Jesus, he will find you. He will find you. And not in the creepy sense. Like in the your life will come alive kind of sense. And since he is always with us, since he is a God who is always with us, This is why our question shouldn't be anymore, oh, will God show up? Instead, the question becomes, will we recognize him when he's already there? Will will we recognize him right here in our midst? As we walk that road, either to Emmaus or back to Jerusalem, wherever our life might be at this time. Because the death and resurrection of Jesus, that's his promise that he will not leave us. And he is never far from any of us. Even those of us who wouldn't even claim Jesus as the savior of our lives, he is never far from any of us. And it seems to me that over and over again, Jesus is constantly inviting us to live out these redemptive and reconciling relationships rather than just merely theorizing about them like they could happen maybe. He says lean into it, live into it. And until we embrace those types of relationships, our eyes aren't opened yet. We don't see. It's why Luke wrote, he was known to them in the breaking of bread. He was known to them in the midst of reconciliation, in the midst of redemption, in the midst of relationship. That's where we encounter him. Jesus is discovered in those acts of relationship. And the resurrection, it gives us not so much like new insights or maybe like a new Christian worldview as it gives us these new relationships a new view on our relationships even, and a Christian world life, right? Less of a view and more of a life because this is how we live. And sometimes in our life, we can be walking in sadness, perhaps to Emmaus. And sometimes in our life, we can be walking back to Jerusalem, perhaps in ecstasy. And sometimes in our life, it's just the in-between. But I believe that the burning within our hearts The presence of Jesus in our lives serves as the same reminder to us as it did to these two followers. Right, just as they remembered on their way back to Jerusalem, just as something shifted in their beliefs and their way of living, right, we too can remember and recognize Jesus takes our slow hearts, right, he takes that burning And it beats faster with this cadence of of hope as we begin to hear a new song with new possibilities and new dreams. That's the hope that Jesus injects into our life. And I think we can feel a sense of community with these early followers of Jesus who were walking to Emmaus. They were walking away from the death of a dream, an expectation. We can relate to their confusion and their dejected hearts because we too are prone to missing Jesus right in our midst. But it's not a matter 
of if Jesus is showing up, but rather a matter of recognizing that he is already with us, revealing himself in the most unexpected of ways as we trust him, even when his appearance in our lives isn't at its most prominent, isn't as we anticipated it would be, or maybe it's even hard to see, but that we would still trust that he is a God who is always with us. Let's go ahead and set our stuff aside. And I just want to give you some space and some time to reflect, to be with God, to pray, to be still. Maybe you could take this time and you could reflect on the ways that Jesus has been present in your life. Look over the past. When are the times that Jesus has shown up and you didn't recognize him? When are the times that he did and you did recognize him? Reflect on his past faithfulness. Maybe you need to take some time right now and you need to ask Jesus to help you recognize him in the present moment. That he would be with you in your midst now. Or maybe you just need to sit and be still and soak in the fact that he is with you right now. Take that time and I'll close us here in a moment. take this time, I want to just maybe speak over the top of us for a moment. In First Peter, Peter actually reminds us of this idea that we've been talking about, that it is by the wounds of Jesus that we are healed. See the wounds of Jesus and you see Jesus. And perhaps today, is a day that you would just like to accept Jesus' invitation to be healed by his wounds. You want to take him up on that. You want to choose to follow. You want to choose to be healed. You want to choose to be made whole. And you recognize that it's only by the death and resurrection of Jesus that would make it so. And if that's a decision you want to make, I want to give you the opportunity to do that so you can just pray along in the quiet of your heart with me a prayer that would go something like this. Jesus, today, I recognize that it is only by your wounds that I am healed. Forgive me for trying to do it on my own, for trying to make things work on my own. Forgive me for the times I've walked away, for the times I've sinned, Jesus. Today, I recognize you, yet I also choose to follow you. I choose to give you control of my life. 
Jesus, would you enter into my life now? Would you make me whole? Would you make me healthy? Would you make me new? And from this moment forward, would I never forget that you are with me every step of the way, Jesus. Today I give you my life. I want you to know that if you made a decision like that, there's really not many decisions that carry more weight than that to choose to be healed by the wounds of Jesus. And it's such a big deal that we ask you to share that with us, not so that we can embarrass you, but so that we could celebrate that with you, so that we can pray for you, and so that you can make that commitment between you and God. And so at this time, we would ask you, if if you're brave enough, would you just slip up your hand and make eye contact with me? And that'd be you saying, yes, today is by the wounds of Jesus that I'm healed. Today, I choose to follow him. If that was you, you can do that now. Yeah, see you there. I see you. Yeah. Yeah, see you over there. Yeah, right there too. Yeah, I see you. God, we praise you for those who choose to step into this relationship and cross the line of faith with you today. God, we thank you that you're a God again who meets us where we are. Would you give us eyes to recognize you? Would we not doubt that you show up because you're already with us? God, we thank you that you love us so relentlessly that you'll go and chase us down on our own roads to Emmaus that you'll share a meal with us because you long for redemption and reconciliation and relationship. God, I pray that we would choose you every step of the way, that we would recognize you as we go. I pray that we would trust you and that all of that would be so that you might be made known, Jesus. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.